Hello and welcome. My name's Stephen Dickens, and you've joined us on the I'm a Mainframer podcast, brought to you by the Open Mainframe Project. The Open Mainframe Project is a Linux Foundation collaborative project, and is the home for open source on the mainframe. I'm joined today by Rick Barlow, who's going to have some fun with us on the show. Welcome, Rick. Thanks a lot, Stephen. It's great to be here. So, Rick, I read your bio. It sounds like you've got an interesting sort of background on the platform. Maybe you can introduce yourself to the listeners. Sure, I'd love to do that. I uh, have a fairly long career and uh, almost all of it doing mainframes. Um, I started uh, right fresh out of college and uh, got a chance early on in my career to get my hands on uh, VM. And VM, of course, is virtualization on the mainframe. And, uh, of course, we're sort of the uh, trailblazers in all of that world. It's the original client server before client server was even a thing. Uh, because VM takes advantage of the ability of the mainframe to schedule multiple workloads, basically, seemingly in parallel. Obviously, they have to timeshare. But um, it got its birth out of the desire for... Uh, interactive use of the mainframes. And uh, I've, along the years, I've had a, the opportunity to do all kinds of great stuff hands-on. I, I was a, an early um, user of the first mainframe that the customer actually had to do some of the work to set up the machine, the 4341. Um, through the years, I've had all kinds of fun doing uh, new development on the mainframe along with the IBM teams. Uh, the company I worked for took advantage of ESP programs, mostly in the software arena, but also some in the hardware arena. So, and so I've had lots of chances to uh, play with some of the new things before the rest of the world. Um, the, uh, in terms of hardware, I love to talk about the hardware. It, uh, it's a fascinating machine. You, you're going to be a kindred spirit, I can tell. Rick. <laughs> yeah. Well, you should see, me after a few drinks. I, I wax lyric about this platform, so <laughs> we're going to be fast friends, I think. Well, you know, the forty-three forty-one. They used to call it the laundromat because it looked like about the size of two washers and a dryer. That was, and it had nothing on top of it except a single. Uh, 3270 terminal that was the interface to the machine itself. You know, through the years, they got really big. The last water-cooled machine would have taken up, uh, I think it was about 20 by 20 floor tiles, two-foot floor tiles in a, in a data center, great big H-shaped thing. And, you know, and that had a whole nine processors per side. <laughs> and, and if you take that, and you, if you consider how big that thing is, and uh, just this last uh, about six months ago, we put in a brand new Z15 uh, single frame machine, and that thing has 30 processors in it, and it sits in the size of a half of a rack, you know. So the amount of processing, when I started uh, working with mainframes, we had three mainframe systems with the equivalent of about 11 MIPS on the floor, and now the Z15 is about 1,500 MIPS per single core. I mean, that's just... <laughs> I can't even hardly relate how much growth that is over the years. I've had some really fun uh, times doing hands-on with machines. 
course, you know, the Z is for nearly zero downtime. And, and I say nearly because the company I worked for, we found more than our fair share of those tiny little opportunities for, for things that didn't work quite as they were supposed to. Um, but also in that time, I had a chance to work with our hardware representatives on a number of repairs, real-time repairs with production workload on the machine. And that is a phenomenal capability of the, the Z hardware. So who are you with Rick now, just so the listeners can get orientated, kind of who's paying the paycheck? If, if, <laughs> That's a good question. Back. Now I work for Velocity Software. Um, we have the world-class uh, performance monitoring and measuring tools for ZVM. And uh, we also collect ZVSE data and recently this past year, ZOS data. Uh, that's just rolling out in our current version of the software. Um, but we also um, have a big focus now on cloud provisioning. So we have a tool that you can install in just a couple hours that will allow you then to clone and manage farms of Linux servers, uh, ZVM guests, and uh, ZOS guests. Well, that's interesting. That's, and maybe I can educate myself and some of the listeners here. It's interesting that you mentioned sort of the, that cloud and deployment space. That's obviously a new and emerging space, both on the mainframe platform and on distributed, kind of how you manage those with, you know, Ansible, OpenStack, all of that sort of um, open source stack, if you will, to, to manage these environments. Maybe if you can just walk the listeners through that in a little bit more detail and, and give the guys at Velocity chance to kind of pitch their products free of charge. But I think that'll be interesting for the listeners to understand sure, I'd be happy how to. that stuff works. The, um, the Velocity tools are not open source, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, but they're all written in standard um, development tool set that comes with ZVM. So there's a lot of Rex code in there. Um, there's a lot of CMS pipelines involved. Um, if you're not familiar with CMS pipelines, if you know what pipelines are in the, Lin the uh, Unix and Linux space, consider CMS pipelines a superset of that. The, the product also exists for uh, ZOS and ZOS batch pipes. Um, really highly powerful, uh, essentially modular programming that you do just by stringing a number of pipeline stages together. And uh, they can go from the simplest thing of just basically executing a command and capturing the output to complex uh, uh, data manipulation and uh, management of all kinds of things. So you can collect the various system resources using a pipeline. There's just hundreds of, th hundreds of ways you can use them. Um, it's a wonderful and, tool. Uh, and, and, then what do you see, and what are you seeing, Rick? How are customers t tending to use those tools? We're seeing Linux exploding on the platform right now, and, and that's kind of where I fit. But really interested to see some of your perspectives of what you're seeing out there as you talk to clients and, and customers. Sure. From, from the VM side of things, the, the VM hypervisor is really the ability to run hundreds or thousands of Linux images in a single LPAR. Um, and the advantage to that is that you can treat them all with pretty simplistic 
uh, automation that all lives within the same platform. So if you can monitor and manage all from the same hypervisor, now you've cut all kinds of layers of complexity out of your environment. So if you, if you consider a typical multi, uh, multi-platform application development, you have lots of things to deal with in terms of network interaction, uh, various kinds of hardware, often multiple sites. Um, all of those things make your environment more complex, which in, in reality makes it more expensive to operate overall. Um, if you look at a Linux on Z deployment using any of the tools that are available, either our, our provisioning tool, uh, IBM still offers Wave, which is another VM-based tool. Um, various people have tried other open source interactions. Each one of those other tools adds a little bit more complexity to the world and makes it harder to implement and manage. Um, we like to say that ours is probably the simplest set of tools because it, it all works under a single uh, installer and a single um, single management framework uh, for all of our tools, performance, capacity planning, monitoring, management, it's all, it all works together. So Rick, we've just celebrated and we're recording this kind of first week of October, we've just celebrated 20 years of Linux on the mainframe platform. Um, maybe if you can sort of, I, I know your career spans before that, but maybe if you can give us your perspective on that 20 years and, and how you've seen things developed, I think that'll be interesting for the listeners. Sure, that, that's a really great story. Um, for those who were around when the turn of the millennium occurred, um, there was a lot of churn in the IT industry in those those last four or five years as we all thought, you know, terrible things were going to happen. Uh, I actually happened to be a, a, a scheduled on shift for the first um, group of people that would be there over the change of midnight on the millennium. And it turned out to be a complete non-event, uh, which is kind of interesting. Um, but the only reason I say that is at the same time in, in 1999 is when there was the first experimentations with Linux on uh, mainframes. And in the background, we were doing a little bit of that. Uh, and then as soon as the millennium turned and you know everybody got a, over the, the potential risks, um, it became really popular. And so we were among early adopters at my pre previous company who took advantage of it. And uh, it took a couple of times, um, I won't call them false starts, but a couple of times trying to convince people that this was really a viable thing to use in an, in an enterprise level IT environment. Um, once we finally got, got going, we went, essentially in 2004, we started using it at my former company. And within six months, we had 100 production applications running in Linux on Z. Um, and we grew from a very small implementation on a couple of spare processors on an existing machine. And uh, within five years, we had two standalone machines in two different data centers. And uh, we, at, at peak time, we had about 1,200 Linux guests and nearly 4,000 
I'll call them application instances. So that might be a Java virtual machine or a web instance or a database instance, all those kinds of things. So uh, the growth was explosive in those first uh, five to six years. And uh, that was, like I said, early in the adoption by most industries. And you know, you'll see lots and lots of it now. The biggest, some of the biggest Oracle implementations in the world run on uh, Linux on Z. Um, the, if you want to run hundreds or thousands of them, the best way is in ZVM because it gives you a lot of automation flexibility. Some of those tools I talked about make it really easy to manage a whole bunch of uh, Linux instances. Um, if you need the really big ones, like many of those huge Oracle instances, some of those run in LPARs because they need a single very large, more of a monolithic uh, environment than lots of parallel servers. And how are you seeing that develop? I mean, I've got a perspective working it from the IBM side. We're winning a bunch of new clients in new parts of the world with with a with this technology stack. But what are you? What's your perspective? Where do you see this kind of going, and where do you see the developments that people should be aware of? Well, I think it, it has a huge opportunity uh, in terms of taking advantage of the mainframe characteristics. So the security, the built-in securities, the built-in compression in the latest versions of the machine. Um, if you have uh, customer data of any sort, I, you know, whether that's the things that fall under the various designations, PII and HIPAA and all those things where you have to protect the data, taking advantage of running open source tools on the Z platform where you can use all of those things built into your environment is, is I, in my opinion, the best place to run any kind of a cloud. It's, it's the one place you know that you still can retain some control of what, where it goes. Uh, you know, if you go into the public cloud, there are some really good advantages there. There's some really quick turnaround there is some savings in terms of managing your own infrastructure. Uh, but if you think overall of what it does to your application design and the complexity, for example, problem determination, when you have a multi-location, multi-platform uh, application, you can run into a lot of trouble trying to figure out what goes wrong. And uh, if, it, if you're doing, for example, a Linux on Z deployment, you can have a lot of applications that never have to go outside the box. If you're using ZOS for your primary data, which is a great thing to do, you can use the internal networking of the machine and all of those things reduce the overall complexity. If you don't have to have the bandwidth to run all of your network outside the box to get to something else, um, you, you move things at machine uh, memory speeds instead of network speeds. Those are all advantages to doing a cloud on Z. And do you see, I mean, I 100% agree with you there, but do you see that resistance within the clients? Obviously this push to cloud, are you seeing that get harder or are you seeing that those benefits are still sort of going in the favor of the platform? I think there is a lot more, um, push to the public side of things. I think there are a lot of, it appears to me uh, from my perspective and, and my experience that there are a lot of people who don't have 
a comfort level with what the mainframes can do for them. So, you know, we're, we're a couple generations now into leadership who didn't have any computing background uh, before open source. Uh, most people that are trying to lead have come up, you know, from using PCs their entire lives. You know, people like me who have been around as long as I have, it, there were no PCs when I was doing computing. I, I tell my kids and they laugh because my first programming was still on cards. You know, I, I did application programming in the beginning, we had to punch cards. Terminals were new about four or five years into my career. And PCs came a, a, along about uh, three or four years into my career. So, and I was early player with PCs. I had the one of the first dial-up uh, connectivity to to the systems I was helping uh, manage way back in uh, in the mid early early 1980s and and that just nobody did that everybody got up and you know drove into the data center in the middle of the night when problems occurred and I had a a, a non IBM PC that I used a, a dial-up connection into the mainframes to help support my early VM systems so I mean Great perspective here and an ability to sort of look back. What would be that advice you'd give to yourself as you were lead, leaving college? You know, the 22-year-old Rick. Um, what would you be saying to yourself if you had the opportunity to go back and, and give some <laughs> advice and counsel? Looking back on your career as you do now, sure. where would, where would you, what would you say to your younger self? Well, it's interesting you would ask that because I've actually had an opportunity to chat with college students who come to the uh, tech you into the share conferences. And I tell them, you know, if you want to be pretty much guaranteed, you can have an IT career, learning mainframes is a good thing to do. And, and I would tell them, uh, I think the most important thing you can do in doing any kind of computing is learn about the fundamental building blocks. Too many people, I think we put in front of a PC or in front of a terminal and we say, you know, point and click and drag and drop and, and, and that's the way they learn about computers. When we learned 40 years ago, you know, we learned more about the processor hardware. We learned about the interactions of the various components. And, and the reason I think that's important is because understanding those fundamentals helps you better understand your the impact potential impact of your piece of the application on all of that infrastructure which then of course makes it easier to be a better programmer overall i think yeah it, it was interesting i was chatting to one of our recent hires about recovery time and recovery point objectives and he's like i've not heard those frame phrases before and and it was interesting you know he had a really good knowledge of the product but he didn't understand the context of where it sat in the overall architecture. So we were having a call with our, with some of our services guys and he's pinging me in the background, what's RTO and RPO. And I'm kind of like, yes, you know, the product really well. You've got that deep knowledge of what our product does, but you don't understand the context as you say of, and the building blocks of where that one piece fits in the overall architecture. So it's interesting that you mentioned that. I couldn't agree more of, and I think that broader view is something we should be coaching all other sort of more junior hires to get a view. Sure. Another factor that so few people know much about is you mentioned disaster recovery. You know, 
availability of an application has multiple facets. You know, the, the applications have to be able to deal with bad input before they create bad output. They have to be able to deal with, especially in a multi-platform application, uh, if, if you send out a communication and you don't get an answer, what are you going to do? You don't want things to just go belly up. So if you're on a web on your telephone and you go to, you know, do a banking transaction and if you just get no answer, <laughs> you're going to be really frustrated. So, you know, those things in terms of the whole disaster recovery and the way your whole environment fits together are extremely important. And the more you can learn about, you know, some basic infrastructure, the more, the easier that will be. So Rick, as we, we've, we've covered some good ground, I suppose, looking backwards, we started sort of 40 years ago with your first summer time on the platform and, and sort of the early punch card days. Then we kind of got a bit closer term and talked about some of the stuff you were doing on Linux. As you look ahead, if, imagine I give you a crystal ball where do you see the platform going, say, three to five years out? Where, if, you were, if you were able to look into our collective futures, where would you see things going? <laughs> wow, what a tough question. <laughs> I know where I'd like to see us. I, I, think, I think the uh, pendulum needs to swing a little closer to having a bigger focus on mainframes than where it is. I think the whole uh, cloud and... Um, Cloud's an interesting term because depending on who you're talking to, cloud means something different. Uh, in my mind, the cloud is the ability to take not necessarily tightly linked um, components and attach them in. So if you think of, I think of it more in terms of uh, API type application development, where your core business stays on a mainframe, where it probably should be. If you're talking about a million transactions a day in some application, there's nothing else that's going to scale that way. But you want to make it easy to plug in whatever the uh, most popular new interface kind of a tool is. You know, today we're doing a lot with cell phones and, you know, distributed tools like that. But those application tools are changing maybe yearly, sometimes maybe perhaps more than that. Um, so, you know, our mainframe applications need to be enabled for that. And uh, I, I think... In a perfect world, we should see more mainframe as the core still owning it, but um, the whole agile world in trying to be able to quickly develop the interfaces and the changes needed in the interfaces is probably where we're going to be. A hybrid environment, I think, is, is where we will see more and more of that. So you see, if we look ahead, more connectivity, more applications connected to the mainframe, would that be a, a short way of summarizing it? Do you That's think? a pretty good guess, yeah. You know, the, essentially, you leave the core um, application where it is, and you, you add the, in, the human interfaces part uh, will be connected into them. So Rick, that's been really useful there. I think really interesting for me and really interesting for the listeners. Kind of what's that last call, as, as we maybe start to think of wrapping up, what's that kind of cool project, that thing you're working on at the moment? Maybe don't share the client names, but just give us a view of some of the cool things you're working on right now. Well, I'm not... I don't have all of the cool jobs. I, I do more of the infrastructure and, you know, and, and 
making it so the systems are always available. But really the, uh, the provisioning and the, the cloud management is really where it's at. You, we have to be able to be responsive you know, if somebody wants to try and develop a new a new interface to an existing application. You want to be able to spin up a server fast uh, and deal and not make the customer figure it all out. Uh, too many places in cloud today, the application developers have had to become their own infrastructure experts. They have to deal with security. They have to deal with their connectivity. We don't want them to have to do that. We want to be able to build, stand up those servers for them, let them do what they do best, and that is design and implement the applications. And if things change, you just tear, you just discard that uh, distributed server, build up some more, uh, depending on how the workload's moving around. So, Rick, that's been a fantastic time here. I've certainly learned a lot. I hope our listeners have, have really enjoyed the conversation as much as I have. Is there anything you'd want to sort of leave us with as we look to wrap up? Well, I just encourage people who work with mainframes not to be discouraged. I think it's a, it's a great place to work. The technology is amazing. And uh, the more you know about the machine, uh, the more amazed I am day, day by day as I look at the machines and see where they're going, the capabilities. I, I used to think I was a pretty smart guy until I got to see more about what the, the machines I'm working with do and realize somebody out there in the development labs has gone way ahead of where I ever could be uh, and is coming up with new ideas. You know, we come out with a new machine every couple, IBM comes out every couple, three years at the most, and then usually, you know, an iteration in between of, of, of a major enhancement of course that's all going agile now and so we see continuous delivery on those enhancements as well uh, i i'm daily amazed by what's becomes available and that's a great way i think to wrap up our chat today rick so thank you very much for your time my name's stephen dickens you've been listening to the i'm a mainframer podcast brought to you by the open mainframe project if you've liked what you've heard today please click and subscribe. And we look forward to speaking to you on future episodes. Thanks very much, Rick. Speak soon.